Welcome to Leading Lights. You are about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church. Hello there and happy Mother's Day. To all the mothers out there, we all want to say how much we love you and we appreciate you. Mothers are amazing. You know, even the most hardened of criminals love their mothers. <laughs> There's something about a mother's love, a mother and a child bond that is so precious and so strong. But in the body of Christ, it is amplified and increased and some somewhat modified as well. I'm going to look at the mothers that were around Jesus's cross on the day that he was crucified, just to help us understand some lessons for mothers, but also for the rest of us who are not mothers. So in John chapter 19, verse 25, it says, Now there stood by the cross of Jesus, his mother. Can you imagine that? Wow. His mother is watching Jesus die. You know, when she was first approached by the angel to say, you will bear the Messiah, he said to her that a sword will pierce your heart also, that you will feel grief as well. And so she must have felt this pain. So standing by the cross of Jesus was his mother. There is something in Christ where we say our child is our child, but they are God's child as well. And Mary must have had this to an incredible degree where she was saying it's my child, but it's God's child and it's the world's sacrifice. And so there is this amazing tension in the heart of a mother. Yes, this is my child, but it's God's and there is more. They're not just mine. And standing at the cross of Jesus was his mother, his mother's sister, we're not sure who that is. There is a lot of debate about who exactly that is. Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. And then in Matthew 27, it increases that a little bit and gives us a bit more insight. It says, And many women who followed Jesus from Galilee ministered to him, were there looking on from afar, among whom were Mary Magdalene, so that's the same, Mary, the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of Zebedee's sons. So Matthew doesn't mention Mary, the mother of Jesus, although we know definitely she was there. But he mentions Mary, the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of Zebedee's sons. So let's look at these for us for a moment. Mary Magdalene, we know, was a lady who wasn't married. She didn't have children. Uh, Jesus had saved her and delivered her from demonic forces, and she was his one of his closest followers. She was the first person he appeared to after he rose again. Uh, she holds a very important place. But the, the other two ladies here are mothers, Mary, the mother of James and Joseph. Now, what is a little bit confusing in the Bible is the number of people with the same name. There are so many Marys around the cross. Uh, there are so many Jameses. <laughs> there are so many Johns, uh, Alpheus, Clopas. There's different people who have the same names. And so it can be a bit confusing for us. And we sometimes just blank out and say, oh, well, I won't worry about the names. But I cannot encourage you, if you dig into the names, if you look at the names in the Bible, the Bible is incredible in the way that things link up. This is why I know it's God's word, because even though so many different people wrote 
the books of the Bible, when you compare all the stories, they link up, they merge together perfectly, and you can tell relationships. And there are so many interesting family relationships. So this first Mary, the wife of Clopas, um, is Mary, Mary, the mother of James and Joseph. It's the same lady. And she was the mother of two boys, two men, James and Joseph. James was one of the 12 disciples, but he wasn't the main disciple. You know, Jesus had three main disciples, Peter, James, and John. James and John were brothers. Uh, Peter also had a brother called Andrew, who was also a disciple. But the James in the, the main three was not the same as this James. So Mary, the wife of Clopas, had um, two sons, James and Joseph. And only James was a disciple. Joseph wasn't. And even the James who was a disciple is called James the Less, James the Smaller. And we know nothing about him. If you want, on the list of importance of disciples, James the Less was the least. He was, we, we hear nothing about him. Church history and, and, and theories tell us what happened to him. But in the word of God, we don't know what happened to James the Less. He was the least of the 12. And her other son, Joseph, didn't even make it into the 12 disciples. And yet we see Mary Magdalene and this lady, Mary, the mother of James and Joseph and the wife of Clopas, as being so important in the Gospels. Let me just show you what happened to her and with her. So we know she was there. And in verse 61, after Jesus has died, they take Jesus off the cross. Nicodemus takes him and puts him in a tomb. They seal the tomb. There are only two people left watching the tomb. At the end of the day, the sun has gone down. It's been a day of trauma and tragedy. Jesus Christ has been crucified and died and buried. And a stone has been rolled in front of the tomb. And in verse 61, it says, And Mary Magdalene was there and the other Mary sitting opposite the tomb. This other Mary is the mother of James and Joseph, the wife of Clopas. And it's just amazing to me that she is so devoted her son was the least. Uh, she might have been thought of as just following Jesus just because her son is one of the 12. But no, she is right there. She is one of the last ones. Mary Magdalene and her are so devoted that they go and watch the tomb at the end of the day. And then in Matthew 28 and verse 1, this is now on the third day on the Sunday morning. Now, after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. So they're the first people back there. They were the first to leave at the end of the crucifixion, and they were the last to leave, and they are the first to return. Uh, they get there, they see an angel, and he explains that Jesus has risen again. And in verse 7, the angel says, And go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead, and indeed, he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. So they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to bring his disciples word. This is so interesting. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the wife of Clopas, the mother of the little disciple who nobody knows anything about, James the Less. 
she is one of two people told to go and tell the good news of Jesus rising again. She's the first, one of the first two evangelists. And now this verse may blow your mind. And as they went, verse 9, and as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them, saying, Rejoice. So they came and held him by the feet and worshipped him. These are the first people to touch the body, the risen body of Christ after he's risen again, are these ladies, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the wife of Clopas, the mother of James, the less, and Joseph. Mother, can I just say to you that devotion to Christ is the most important thing for you as a mother. Mary Magdalene and this other Mary had devotion to Christ. They were there late and early, worshipping, loving Jesus, serving. They went there early in the morning to, to do servant duties, to try and look after the body properly. They loved Jesus so much. And even though her son was the least, and she probably had every reason to be a little bit put out, oh, my son's not important, she worshipped Jesus and as a result, she is one of two people who touched Jesus first, who was given the job of telling others about Christ. Absolutely amazing. What about this other Mary? So back to Matthew 27, verse 56. Among whom were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of Zebedee's sons. Now, who is this? So... Zebedee was a man. We see him in the beginning of the Gospels fishing. He's got several boats, the Bible tells us. He's got lots of servants who are helping him fishing. And he's got two sons, James and John. And they are Zebedee's sons. And Jesus calls them. And the Bible says they left their father in the boat and they went and they followed Jesus. Now, this Zebedee, we don't hear anything more about him, so we don't know what happened to him. But uh, they went on and followed Jesus. James and John became two of the closest followers of Jesus. Peter, James and John were the three who were there at the Transfiguration. Uh, they were there at various miraculous times, praying at the end in the Garden of Gethsemane. They were the close three. And James and John were very important, but John was the one that Jesus loved. He's called the disciple or the apostle that Jesus loved. Uh, he started off as a son of thunder. So when Jesus met people, he would often give them a nickname. The Bible calls it a surname. So it says Simon. He gave the surname Peter. Simon means reed, but he gave him the name rock. And James and John, he gave them the surname Boanerges, which means sons of thunder. So I want you to imagine this lady, this lady Mary. She's married to rich Zebedee, who's got a thriving business. She's got two sons, James and John, but they are sons of thunder. She's the kind of mother who is always cleaning scraped knees and getting her boys out of trouble because they are fiery angry, aggressive, loud, extrovert type people. They are sons of thunder. There's another time in the Gospels where Jesus comes into a Samaritan city and the Samaritans don't receive him. They don't want to worship him. And James and John, the sons of thunder, these two boys whose mother was there at the crucifixion, James and John say to Jesus, please can we call down fire 
from heaven to destroy the city. Now that's the, the kind of family dynamic. I don't know if you can imagine this family. I imagine this lady uh, whose name was Salome, by the way, the mother of, of Zebedee's sons. We told in, in Mark her name was Salome. I imagine Salome to be quite a, a well-to-do, almost a posh lady. She's got a rich husband. She's got these sons who are a bit of a handful. And I just see her as, as a bit of a posh lady. But the amazing thing is that she is there worshiping Jesus at the end. There's one other story I want you to hear about this lady, because I think it's, it's quite important. In Matthew 20, verse 20, Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with her sons, kneeling down and asking something from him. And he said to her, What do you wish? So she's quite bold. This is a, in the middle of Jesus's ministry, his three-year ministry. Her two sons are following Jesus. They've left the family business. She starts to follow Jesus. And because she's a bit of a rich lady, and I, I, think, she, I think she's used to getting her way, she goes to Jesus. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put some of my own thoughts in here. <laughs> she says, well, they're, they're, they're following you for no pay. They've, they've really been helpful to you. They've done a good job. Look, they're, they're, they're one of your closest followers. They're, they're, they're important in your, in your crowd. And it says, she said to him, grant that these two sons of mine may sit one on your right hand and the other on the left in your kingdom. Wow, <laughs> that's a bit of a bold statement. I don't know if you've ever had a, a mother come to you and ask for something on behalf of her children. If you're a teacher or a coach of a sports team, you'll know what this is like, where the parent comes in and thinks their child is perfect and you must do what they want for their child. And you must give them preference and let them be in the team or whatever. This is what happened. Salome comes to Jesus and says, uh, <clears throat> I want my sons to have important places in your kingdom. Verse 22, but Jesus answered and said, Jesus was extremely gracious. He didn't just ignore her. He didn't say, go away. That's an inappropriate comment or request. He didn't say, I don't do what you want, lady. I'm not one of your employees. Listen to what he says. You do not know what you ask. Are you able, are you able, Salome, to drink the cup that I'm about to drink and to be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? So he's talking to her, but the two sons are there listening. This tells me that they were kind of still under the, the thumb of their mum. They, they did what their mum wanted. Even though they were sons of thunder and fiery boys, they were there. And Jesus says to Salome, but the boys are listening, you don't really know what you're asking. You, you don't have a concept of what you're saying. Are you able to go through what's required here? Do you know what, what's happening to me? Are you able to be on my right and on my left when I'm going through this fiery trial? Because it's not just a position. When you follow Christ, it's not just I get a title. No, no, I share in his life. And that means the pain and the glory. And so Jesus says, are you able to do this? And they said to him, we are able. All of them said that. So he said to them, you will indeed drink my cup and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. But to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give. It is for those for whom it is prepared by my father. 
Now, I just want to make a comment about Salome. She had blown it in this request to Jesus. Um, she had, I think, perhaps, uh, some climbing down to do and some humbling of herself to do. And yet she was there at the cross. You know, to be standing at the foot of the cross when Jesus dies means that you are identifying with a criminal, that the state and the Roman government who are putting him to death may target you. And yet you're willing to stand up and say, I identify with this man and I love him and I follow him. And Salome is there. She is worshiping Jesus. And as she's looking up, She's seeing him beaten and bleeding and bruised, being rejected by humans, being spat at and, and just mocked. And even him shouting out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? She's seen the pain and the suffering he's going through. And she's now realizing the baptism that he said we would have to go through. Look at it. But then she looks to the right and to the left of Jesus. The position she'd asked for her sons to hold. And she sees two thieves on either side of him on the crosses. And she realizes, it dawns on her, that actually to follow Christ, it's not part of a social country club. It's not part of a, of a place in society or, or being seen to be important. No, no. It's following Jesus wherever he goes. And that means suffering at times. And she's willing to go through this process. Now, John, her son, was with her. He was one of the only disciples who was right there at the cross. And Jesus, we're told, looked at John and he looked at Mary, his mother. And he said to John, Mary is now your mother. Mother, behold your son. Son, behold your mother. Look after her, he's saying to John. Now, Salome, John's mother, is standing there as well. And what's happening is she is being replaced, if you like, by Jesus's mother. Mary was a hugely important person. And she is being told that Mary is now John's mother. She obviously stayed involved. But I want to show you that when a person comes into Christianity and when a mother comes into Christianity, those relationships and those ideas and those natural human instincts have to change. You know, Jesus said an amazing thing in Mark chapter 10, verse 29. He said, Assuredly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. Jesus was saying, yes, when you come into this relationship with Christ, it's not just a normal human relationship. You have to bow the knee, you worship him, you give up your life and be willing to die. And all those other relationships come second. Mothers, fathers, brothers, children, all those different things, even possessions, houses, lands. But he says, in this life, you get a hundredfold back and persecutions. But then in the age to come, you get eternal life. A whole new set of rules starts to apply. And that's what happened here. We see that Salome realized, I have to give up my son 
but look, I'm gaining lots of children and he's gaining another mother. I'm gaining another sister. We gain more than we give up, but we must be willing to give it up. Mother, can I challenge you? I know it's natural to want to hold on to your possessions, your family relationships, to put your children first and want the best for them. But when you come into the body of Christ, we need to say Jesus comes first and I give up those things to the cause of Christ. And the promise here is that you will gain a hundredfold more, but it may look different. You know, there are children in the body of Christ all around you that need a mother and you can be a mother to them. There are people who need a friend, who need a brother or a sister. There are relationships all around you in the body of Christ. And there are houses and lands and meals and things. But you need to say, I'm willing to give up so that I can then take on and do what Christ asks me to do. It's not natural for a mother to let her son go and become somebody else's son. It's not natural. It doesn't feel right. But when we serve Christ, we say there is a bigger priority and there is more involved here. At the end of the book of Romans, Paul writes very personally and he lists a whole lot of names of people who are close to him and who are part of his team of workers. Many of them are women. Many of them do great things. There's Andronicus and Junia, a husband and wife, and he says they are apostles. Uh, there is Phoebe, who he says is a servant of the church. Um, and the word he uses is the female version of the word leader. Uh, when he says she's a helper, it, when it's the, used against men, it's, that word means leader and it's translated helper. Uh, there were women doing great things. And one of the women in that list is Rufus's mother. He says, greet so-and-so, greet so-and-so. Greet Rufus's mother, who is also my mother, Paul says. You know, when Paul came into the body of Christ, he had to give up family relationships. He was married, but he was no longer married later on, which probably meant his wife left him because he'd become a Christian. His mum and dad probably disowned him. His brothers and sisters probably disowned him. But Paul writes at the end of Romans to new family, new brothers and sisters. And the main thing is not just, I want more brothers and sisters. No, I want to do what Christ wants me to do. I want to sit at the foot of the cross, look at this Lord who is dying for me, and I want to follow him, whatever it takes. Obviously, Mary, the mother of Jesus, is somebody we could speak a lot about. She was an amazing woman. She was told she was going to bear the Messiah. Let me just give you a couple of interesting points about her before I close. Number one, she had to discipline Jesus. <laughs> Even though he was the son of God, she had to discipline him. You say to me, Greg, how do you know that? Surely Jesus was the perfect child. But Hebrews 5 verse 8 says, Though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. Jesus had to learn obedience. Now, he never sinned, but he had to learn obedience. And Mary had to be involved in that process. Absolutely amazing. Later on, when he's just about to start his ministry, they're at a wedding in Cana, John chapter 2. And when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. This is such a motherly thing to do. Jesus, they have no wine. Jesus said to her, woman, what does your concern have to do with me? And what we see here is there is a 
a parting of the relationship where Jesus is saying, I'm now my own man and I make my own decisions. And mother, you've told me what to do, but you don't tell me what to do anymore. Um, and he ended up doing it anyway. He ended up changing the water to wine, but he was making a statement. And it's so interesting that Mary had to learn she's no longer telling him what to do. And then in Acts chapter 1, verse 14, after Jesus has died and risen again uh, and gone back up to heaven, it says, These all continued, all the believers continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the woman and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. Mary has gone from being the one who disciplines and trains him. Then she stands back and he starts to tell her what to do. He has his own ministry. She sees him dying on the cross. And in Acts chapter 1, verse 14, she's now worshiping him and praying with the other believers. She's just one of the believers. And his siblings are there in the room worshiping as well. There has to be this change. And I just want to close with this point. Mums, you've been given the most amazing privilege and opportunity to bring up young children, to shape them and mold them and show them love and tenderness. But following Christ must come first. If you follow Christ, if you are passionate about him and you show your children that Jesus comes first, that is the best thing you can do for your children. If you put your children above Jesus, if they say, I don't want to go to church today and you say, okay, we're not going, you're putting them above Jesus. You're not doing them a favor. Put Jesus first. All of these mothers put Jesus first. They still showed the love of a mother, but they showed how it is changed and, and amended. When we serve Christ, it becomes a service of him first. I am a mother for Christ. I am bringing up this child and the children of God. I am serving Jesus in whatever way he tells me. And I'm my first priority is to bring this child up in the training and admonition and love of the Lord. Lord Jesus, thank you for our mothers. Bless them. Use them. May they be mothers in the body of Christ, I pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. We love you. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com and subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts. Please consider supporting this ministry by making a donation on the giving page at leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.